0: The what? Um, I don't have any more. Okay. Oh, okay. No, I don't. I don't have any more. We had a few last week. Um, the paper that we had last week. Some of the stuff is the same. Some of it I added to it. But we'll continue on the commandment: Thou shalt not bear false witness. But first, we'll open up in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for once again allowing us to gather together. Thank you for the sunshine coming out this morning and for the fellowship that we have with one another and for this beautiful day, Lord. Uh, thank you for your word and please help us learn from it and continue to grow in Christ. And please bless the teachers in the back and the, the kids so that they learn more about you. We pray this in Jesus' name, Amen. All right, so last week we started on the commandment, Thou shalt not bear false witness. And we went over some of the different forms of it. It's a lot bigger of a subject than a lot of people realize. You have uh, like falsely accusing, gossiping, talebearing, slander, but you also have flattery, like buttering people up. You have uh, eye service, pretense. You're pretending to be somebody that you're not. People tell a half-truth, backbiting. You can misrepresent people whenever you're telling someone else what this person said. You can bend the truth a little bit, even in the tone of your voice and the way that you talk to them. And we went over the different ways that um, to keep yourself from doing these or reasons why you shouldn't do this. And you have what Jesus said, treat others the way that you wish to be treated. Um, you're supposed to love people, and you're not loving when you do that. It's a, it's a commandment from God to not do this, and there's consequences for doing it. Um, you'll end up attracting people to you that do that very thing, so it will be detrimental to your relationship with everybody in your, your life. And also, a little leaven leaveneth the whole lump. The idea that if you start doing these things, it's going to end up spreading to other people. You also, we're supposed to be a representation of Christ, and we're supposed to set a good example for Him, And because people look to us, to Christians, to uh, you know, explain to them what Christianity is about, and they know that we're supposed to be following Christ, and when you don't do that, well then... They, it gives them a reason to blaspheme God. And we're also supposed to be a pattern for youth, uh, the younger generation. If older people are doing this, or the parents are doing this, then your kids are going to end up doing it. And that's not a good pattern. And then also you lose trust with people. One thing that I forgot to do last week is to go over the Bible examples of this. Like I had, uh, There's four examples written down. The first one is in, in case you don't have a paper, it's in 1 Kings 21, and then the other one is in Acts 5. Those are the longer examples that we'll read a little more of, but 1 Kings chapter 21. And while we're going through these, you can think of uh, one thing that we'll go through is uh, for this week, is uh, it's ways to... S- Try to stop or prevent somebody from being a false witness or ways that you can keep yourself from being influenced or believing. Because you can't really stop people from saying things. But what you can do is you can stop yourself from believing them and you can stop yourself from going and spreading it. And uh, so we'll be going over that. So you can think of ways that or reasons why people do this to begin with. Why do they lie? Why do they flatter? Why do they uh, falsely accuse? There's reasons behind that. And understanding the reason why people do this might help you to spot it whenever somebody's doing it to you. So the first example that we have, and I meant to do this last week, but I forgot, is in 1 Kings chapter 21, and it's verses 7 through 10. And we're going to read about Jezebel. Yay! <laughs> All right. So verse 7 And Jezebel, his wife, so this is King Ahab's wife. She's a horrible lady. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise and eat bread, and let thine heart be merry. I will give thee the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite. So Naboth has a vineyard that King Ahab won it. And he was crying like a baby because he couldn't get it, so his wife is going to step up and do something very horrible so that he can get it. Uh, moving on. So she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with a seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in his city dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in these letters saying, Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high among the people. And set two men, sons of Belial, before him to bear witness against him, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and stone him that he may die. And her plan works as she cooks it up, and Naboth ends up dying. So this is flat out one of the easiest examples of bearing false witness. She flat out lied in order to get her husband a vineyard. And a man lost his life because of this. And they were, they were false accusers. They were saying things that wasn't real. The next example that we have is in Acts chapter 5. And it's verses 1 through 4. It's right at the beginning. This is the New Testament church was starting and go, spreading throughout Jerusalem and Judea. And many people were getting saved, believing on Jesus Christ. And two people, when God starts something, it happens in the Old Testament when He gives the law, and then it happened in the New Testament church. When the Lord starts something, He's extremely strict right at the beginning in order to set an example for everybody around. He did this when He gave the law. Somebody blasphemed His name, they died. Somebody uh, um, ends up uh, working on the Sabbath day, they die. And then later on, people are doing this, and the consequences are not like hitting them as hard right off the bat. And the same thing with the New Testament church. Right when it started, the Holy Ghost ends up killing people because they lie. Well, this, I mean, doesn't seem to be happening today. So just a little note on that. But, anyways, Acts 5, verses 1 through 4. But a certain man named Ananias, with Sapphira his wife, sold a possession. Many people in the church were selling things and giving it to the church. They were selling their personal possessions. Okay, so they sold the possession and kept part, and kept back part of the price. His wife also being privy to it and brought a certain part and laid it at the apostles' feet. So they only gave him part of the money, not all of it. Um, but Peter said, Ananias, why hath Satan filled thine heart to lie to the Holy Ghost? And to keep part back of the price of the land. Keep back part of the Keep back part of the price of the land. There's too many peas in there. Whilst it remained, was it not thine own? And after it was sold, was it not in thine own power? Why hast thou conceived this thing in thine heart? Thou hast not lied unto men, but unto God. And Ananias and his wife end up dying because of this. Um Peter's saying, "You're not just lying to us; you're lying to God because you're you're putting a you're a, giving a pretense. You're making us think that you are giving us all the money, and you're not really doing it." So they were they were lying. It was deception. And then there's a couple other examples. I'll just read to you, um, John chapter two, verse nineteen. Jesus answered and said unto them, "Destroy this temple." And in three days, I will raise it up. And you find out in John, he's talking about his body. But then, later on in Mark, a different gospel, uh, in Mark 14, 57 and 58, you read, And there arose certain and bare false witness against him, so they're talking about Jesus, saying, We heard him say, I will destroy this temple that is made with hands. And within three days... I will build another made without hands. So what what they did, at least to the first part, as far as the destruction of the temple goes, all they did was add two words. Jesus said, destroy this temple. In three days I'll raise it up. And all they did was say, I will destroy this temple. So just twisting a couple of words, you can change the entire context of something and you can turn something that is true into a lie. People, People do this all the time. Though a guy might say, oh yeah, there was a lot of this going on. And then they might repeat it back. He said, oh yeah, he said all of this is going on. Like, oh, I just changed one word, but you're changing the entire context of it. And what started off as truth, now you turned it into a lie. And we still do this today. They were falsely accusing Jesus, saying that he said he's going to destroy this temple, but he didn't. Jesus said, if you destroy this body, this temple, in three days I'll raise it up. And then the last example uh, in Romans three, the Apostle Paul actually says that he was being falsely accused of preaching something that he didn't. Romans three verses seven through eight. Uh, and it's a little confusing the way that Paul writes here. Uh, some of this stuff is really difficult, but I'll explain it after I read it. Um, Romans three: seven through eight. "For if the truth of God hath more abounded." Through my lie unto his glory, why yet am I also judged as a sinner? So if if the more I sin, the more God is glorified, why am I being judged? You're you're able to see God's glory, you know, by all the grace that He's shining on us, and He's going to answer that. Um, or he's going to answer a continuation of what the people would say. And not rather, and then now he's he has quotes, as we be slanderously reported, and as some affirm that we say. So he's continuing, let us do evil that good may come, whose damnation is just. So basically he's saying, okay, if the more that we sin, the more that God's grace is magnified, then why not rather... Let us just say, let us do evil that good may come. And in the quotes, Paul says, some people are slanderously reporting that we're actually teaching this. Some people are saying that this gospel of grace is saying, let us sin as much as we want. And in fact, the more that you sin, the more that God's grace shines. So they're taking what Paul's teaching and they're twisting it and saying, oh, well, Paul's Paul's teaching that you should just live in sin. And that's a good thing they're slandering what he's saying. And this is religious slander. Like this is within the New Testament doctrine. And you have an actual report from 2,000 years ago of a person, their words are being twisted based on how they preach the gospel, and somebody is attributing something to them that they didn't say. So this is a really good example of of common slander. And we still hear things like this in the church today based on how people preach or how they witness or, you know, how they give the gospel. You you take what they're saying, and because you don't like it in your heart, I'm going to twist what you say a little bit, and I'm going to attribute something to you that you didn't actually say. You don't actually believe what I claim that you're believing. So those are four really good examples of bearing false witness in the Bible. So let's move on. In, uh some of the reasons why people will bear false witness. Can y'all think of any? I thought of five reasons. <laughs> or reasons why, like any form of bearing false witness. What is the motive behind it? Why do people do it? Yes, I have that one. Personal gain. Personal gain. Got that one too. It's two. Two out of five. Come on. Yes. Exactly. That's numbers? That's C. <laughs> Cover other lies? Okay. I have um, escaping consequences is a good one. Kids do this. <gasps> yeah. <laughs> Hannah, did you do that? No. No. And then the last one that I have is ignorance. Sometimes people bear false witness. They don't even know that they're doing it. And that's, that's a big one. But yeah, as far as money goes, money and power, you have false teachers. You have this in the New Testament talking about this. The false prophets are going to do things for filthy lucre's sake. So it's wrongful gains of money. I want money, and I don't want to earn it the right way, so I'm going to go ahead and lie. Or it could be power, you know, just gaining something. Um, Maybe you have a, a car salesman. That's an easy example. They're selling you a broken car. And they're going to lie and say, yeah, it's a perfectly good car. Why are they doing it? Because they want money. Um, in the Old Testament, you have uh, the Lord says that false balances are an abomination to him. And then he also says diverse weights. Those are two biblical terms. You have uh, you have a scale and you measure things by talents, by weight. So you put the gold on this side, you put your balance on this side. Well, if you're supposed to have like one kilogram And that's supposed to be just a true balance. Maybe you have a little weight that's actually like 0.8 kilograms or maybe 1.2 kilograms. So you, you take a little off, you cut a little and get some extra money for yourself. And the Lord doesn't like this. You need to be a true witness and a true judge. And, uh, escaping consequences is another one. People lie to the government. They lie to the law. I don't want to get in trouble. You know, with the kid, did you hit your brother? No, I didn't hit him. Okay, why? Because you know you're going to get disciplined if you tell the truth. So that's an easy example, like the cookie jar. Did you take the cookies? No, I didn't. Yes, you did. Um, yeah, all right. Or justifying yourself. You know, that, that's similar to escaping the consequences. I'm just seeking to make myself look better, and it's not really happening, making yourself look good. Um, so that's another one. This is why people exaggerate. They bend the truth a little bit. And, you know, you went fishing. I, I caught, you actually caught like a five pound fish and you're like, oh yeah, it was huge. It was like this big. You're exaggerating. Why? Because you want people to flock to you and say, wow, you're just so amazing. I can't believe that you did that. The truth is just so boring, and I, I want to just spice it up a little bit. Well, yeah, you're lying when you do that. Okay, it's not good. Um, eye service is another one. Pretense. This is what the Pharisees did. They made a long prayer and they didn't actually mean it. Well, why are they doing that to begin with? Because they want to look like gods in the people's eyes. The people who wear a facade. They they, I don't know, maybe the way that they dress or the way that they act. Your, your whole life is bearing false witness because you're trying to present yourself as somebody that you're not. And you're not, being, you're not telling the truth. And then what Brian said, critical spirit, hateful heart. Uh, we read that in Proverbs 10.18 uh, the other day. That's on that paper if you have one, the cross-reference. It was... Uh, He that hideth hatred with lying lips, and he that uttereth slander is a fool. So he's telling you right there, people hide hatred with their lips. They will lie because they hate you. Uh, In 1 Corinthians 6, Paul talks about how this list of people will not inherit the kingdom of God. One of the people on that list is a reviler. Reviler is somebody who just hammers down on people. You can be telling the truth and still be a reviler. You're just overly critical. You have this hateful spirit, and I'm just going to tear people apart. That is a good motive, and that person is very susceptible to lying. A person who's a railer, 1 Corinthians 5. Paul's talking about people that you put out of the church because they're just going to corrupt everybody around them. You got uh, the fornicator, um, an extortioner, uh, idolater, and then one other one is a railer. Somebody who just rails on people. They got such this hateful, critical spirit and they're just, they could say, Hey, I'm telling the truth. But if you carry that spirit around, I guarantee you it won't be too much longer before you start bearing false witness against people. I've listened to pastors in the past that have done this. Old, some of the old school preaching. I heard them and I'm sitting there listening. I'm like, that is not true. That is not what those people believe. You are bending what they believe and bearing false witness of them so that you can rail on them easier. It's, so it's a red flag if you hear something or you read something and it's filled with constant rhetoric, misleading, twisting words, highly emotional. And I'm not saying Pat, you know, being passionate about something is a bad thing. It's a good thing if you're passionate. But if you're overly critical and overly hateful, you are highly susceptible to twisting and bending what people said and attributing words that they said to them and they didn't actually say those things. And then the last one of reasons why people do this is ignorance. Sometimes people are just lazy. And they don't want to look up the truth. They're handed something and they say, okay, that looks good, and they just take it as truth. Well, the Bible tells you that you're supposed to be fully persuaded in your own mind. You're supposed to know that what I'm giving you is true. Um, it's in a a good one is in Exodus. It's not on the paper. Exodus chapter twenty three, verse one. But people who don't do their their due diligence, they don't do their research. They don't search things out. You know, in the book of Acts, Paul talks about the Bereans were more noble because they searched the Scriptures daily. They wanted to know the truth, and sometimes people won't do that. They just, okay, sounds good to me. Um, and I, I'll admit, like you can't prevent people from telling you a lie, but at least you can prevent yourself from passing it on to others by not being ignorant, by educating yourself. In uh, Exodus 23:1. I don't have the verse. I didn't turn there. But basically, uh, one of the commandments is God says, you are not to raise a false report against somebody. And it also means you are not supposed to receive a false report. Raising and receiving. You're not supposed to give it. It's not supposed to come out of your mouth. And you're also not, not supposed to hear it and let it sink into your heart and allow it to become truth to you. You're supposed to know what is true and what is false? And do your research. If you don't know, then don't repeat it. If, if it's passing around this way and it gets to you and you're like, I don't know if this is true or not, then don't let it leave your mouth and go to somebody else. That's what we call like rumors and gossip. You know, I don't know if this is true, but this is what I heard. And it's like, well, if it's, if it's going to hurt somebody, you probably ought to not say that. Now, if it's something like, I don't know, something the news said or something. Okay, I get it. Like I, I believe that they said this. I'm not entirely sure, but um, a lot of times this stuff happens and it ends up hurting other people when this happens. So touching a little more, those, those are five reasons why people bear false witness. And moving on and touching a little bit more on the ignorant side. Ignorance is bliss to a certain extent. I mean, in the Bible, the less light that somebody has, it seems like the judgment on them is less. Jesus talked about the Pharisees multiple times. He said that they're going to receive a greater damnation because they knew better. They had great light, but they didn't. They still rejected it. And you have uh, James chapter three verse one. He says, "Be not many masters, for you shall receive the greater condemnation." if you desire to be a teacher, if you have influence on others, other people are listening to you, the words that come out of your mouth is affecting multiple people, God is going to judge you more harshly. You're going to have greater judgment because you had more, I guess you influence, but almost like more light given to you, more power. You had a greater responsibility and you didn't uh, you didn't really care to do your research, you didn't care to study enough, and you just sort of said things, or or somebody handed me this, and I'm just going to hand it right to you, and you're not checking to see if it's true or not. And if, you know, I, I get it to a certain extent, there's some things that we're ignorant on, and we can't, it's it's hard to find the truth, but in this day and age, with all the technology that we have, it's pretty simple to find the truth, or at least see the other side of a scenario, If somebody tells you something, you have cell phones, you have internet, you can call the person and ask instead of back in the days of Israel, you know, this guy, this king from this land said something and he lives like, I don't know, a month away. But now you can pick up a cell phone and call and say, hey, is this true? Oh, it's not. Okay, done. Like a couple of minutes on the phone. You can find out if it's true or not before you continue to pass the story around. Um you can Google things. You have Alexa, Siri, probably 20 other AIs that you can ask. No. But that you know, it's easy ways that they can do research. Uh YouTube. You can learn anything on YouTube. I work on my car based on YouTube. Like there's so much information on there, you have to be careful of it. But if you're told something and you really like in your heart, you're like, I don't really know if this is true. Well, you ought to at least see if there's another side of the scenario available before you just take it as truth and then keep passing it around. That's how rumors get started. So you should prove things and, uh, before you accept them and repeat them, like God, the Lord was saying in Exodus. Um, you might be ignorant on how to work on cars, but if you know a mechanic, then if this guy's trying to sell you a junk car, you can say, hey, is this car good or not? Oh, it's not good? Okay, you're trying to, you know, get money from me. The car's broken, and you're trying to sell it to me. You might not know a lot about the Bible, but you can ask somebody who does know a lot about the Bible before you take something and keep passing it around. You can research things, and, I mean, there's millions of examples, but there's just a few. And then... Uh, so that's that's one thing with that. There's other tools that we have at our disposal, and I I just put three down to make it simple. But one of them was they were experience, knowledge, and wisdom. And anytime I've heard teachings on this, my mind goes blank because I'm like, those, those sound like the same thing. But I tried to differentiate them a lot in this so that you could actually see the difference in how they work. Um, with experience, okay? And th- these, are, these are ways that you can keep yourself from getting lied to, okay? Last week, uh, um, Isabella had mentioned we need to pray for discernment, that the Lord can bless us so that we can discern truth from lies. And he's given us a few things in, our, in the way that we think, in our life, in our experiences, that we can use these tools that God has given us. One of them is experience. If you have been lied to in the past repeatedly, maybe in a relationship or something along the lines of that, you know what to look for because they've tried to lie to you multiple times before and you've learned through experience. You know what to be skeptical of if somebody tells you something. If you have been gypped multiple times by buying junk cars from, I keep using a car salesman because it's easy, um, a, a crummy car salesman, you now know what to check. Now I'm going to check the oil. I'm going to check the transmission fluid. Um, detectives and cops, through multiple years of being lied to by people, they know what questions to ask. They would know what signs to look for, um, and they they would be a lot better at it than somebody like me. It doesn't matter how smart you are; experience will actually help you. Experience gives you knowledge. Um, you can gain knowledge without experience, but experience is one of the things that leaves leads to knowledge. If you pay attention. And you take the life experiences that the Lord has given you and you've learned from it, you know what to be skeptical of, of whenever people say something to you. And then the second one is knowledge. Experience grants knowledge, but knowledge can be attained without experience. You can go to college, you can study, you can um go to an academy, you can go to marriage counseling. Before you get married, you can find out about these problems before they happen. Know what signs to look for. You can go to counseling. You are you have information passed down to you from your parents or your grandparents. You don't have the experience, but they're telling you knowledge that they've learned through experience. If you are a professional in your field, it will be very difficult for somebody to lie to you. Um, I'm sure that Catherine knows when kids in her class are lying. They, they never. Oh, okay. All right, twenty-seven years. Nobody's ever lied to her. She has the perfect class. <laughs> but if you're really good at what you do, you you know what to be skeptical of. If uh, if uh, I would. I told Anissa, I said, it would be cool to have a reality TV show where you have professionals in their field, and then you have a con man trying to sell them something that's messed up. Like, try to sell, get get the most professional mechanics in the country, and then try selling a, a junk car to them and see which one that you could actually con. And I would imagine that it would be very low, or... Selling a house that has a messed up foundation to somebody who builds houses for a living. They know what to look for. Okay, Coming to somebody with some false doctrine in the Bible to a person who's actually thoroughly studied their Bible and you're like, no, sorry. You, can, you might be able to lie to a kid or somebody who hasn't read your Bible, but I have read it and I know that what you're saying is not true. So you can gain knowledge and you can gain it through experience or you can just learn it. You can go to a certain field. You can be a professional. You can study a certain thing. You're not going to be lied to in that area. The last one is wisdom. You can have no experience. You can have no knowledge, but you can use wisdom instead. And I would imagine this would, uh, this this might be for maybe the younger generation. They don't have the life lessons that the adults have. They haven't had a lot of time to thoroughly study things, but they can still use wisdom that God has given them. They can know what men are capable of, like we went over, all the reasons why people lie, and they can take counsel from other people. They can ask for advice. In Proverbs 24, 6, it tells you that in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. If you ask advice from a bunch of different people, there's safety in that because the lie that somebody else is trying to tell you or the messed up item they're trying to sell you is a lot less likely to pass through all those people and they're not going to be deceived by it. If I were to... uh What's an exam? Ben, do you know about building houses? No? Okay, well, let's say Ben is... Finally saved up enough money, he's gonna go buy himself a house. Yeah, and you look online, you're like, this house is like a third of the price that it should be. That's really weird. So you're like, okay, I need to check this out. So do you ask um, do you ask Beth, your grandma, for advice, or do you ask Princess on advice how to uh, do that, or, or you call Craig? Probably call Craig, right? Because Craig does that for a living. You don't, you don't trust your grandma? <laughs> so, you call somebody who knows who is an expert in that field. You can use wisdom. I don't have to know everything, but I can, I can ask advice from people who do, and that helps me from being lied to. Uh, a wise person will be skeptical to believe everything that's written in a piece of literature that doesn't have any references Or if they do have references, you will run the references and you'll check it out and you'll make sure that they're actually telling the truth. I've listened to um, preachers online and they've read pieces of literature and they have have references in them. And they're like, "I, I actually went and checked the references and it does not say what they said it said. Like they were taking something out of context. Well, that's wisdom right there. So a wise man will be able to spot an ulterior motive that someone has to exaggerate or to give a half-truth or to gossip or slander somebody. You you can understand that the motives do exist, and you'll maybe listen to them a little more thoroughly, and you'll be able to see, like, I don't know, like, you seem really angry at this person, And it's just, you're telling me all these things, and you're highly emotional. I think I need to check with them to make sure that what you're saying is true. So you can use wisdom for this. Um, Another one is, this is a biblical example, and it's on the the other paper. Uh, In the mouth of two or three witnesses, this is what the Lord actually told people. So you'll tell them, hold on, let me get this person before we continue, or let me get a couple more witnesses. In Deuteronomy 19.15, it says, One witness, and this is on that paper if y'all have it from last week, one witness shall not rise up against a man for any iniquity or for any sin, in any sin that he sinneth. At the mouth of two witnesses or at the mouth of three witnesses shall the matter be established. And Paul says something very similar in the New Testament. It's almost like he read Deuteronomy. It's crazy. Paul says it in 1 Timothy 5.19. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And obviously, the the opposite is also true. Don't give an accusation unless it be by two or three witnesses. Because if he's telling an elder not to receive an accusation, well, then the logical conclusion would be, well, then you don't go and speak something against somebody unless there's witnesses. Now, I understand there's, there's cases where you need to speak up even if there are no witnesses, but this is just general examples. Um, so, yeah, you want there to be multiple witnesses, uh, and this, this gives it that we even have this in the courtrooms and the more witnesses the better, it makes logical sense one person is more likely to be able to lie and to slander and if you don't have anybody to check their report against they did this in the New Testament with Jesus, there were these witnesses there were those witnesses, they double checked them and they're like, y'all stories don't match up man, y'all are telling two different stories over here, so no but if their stories do match up and preferably not exactly to the T, because then that means that they corro- corroborate it with one another and they're probably lying. But, if, yeah, you, people know how to spot that. But that's, that's a good Bible example. Another idea behind this is that people are innocent until proven guilty. Okay? This is, it's in the Bible, and it should be in real life. Before you receive gossip about somebody or slander or backbite, you need a purpose in your mind that unless you can actually prove this to me, I'm going to be skeptical Skeptical, and I can't just you know, put all my chips in one basket and believe everything that you're saying. I have to see their side. I have to. Uh, in John 7.51, that's whenever Nicodemus was trying to defend Jesus against the council. And he told them, he says, Doth our law judge any man before it hear him? And know what he doeth? They were trying to cast judgment on Jesus, and they hadn't gotten the full story. They hadn't um, heard Jesus' statements. They were just proclaiming him guilty. Done. So, what I've always done is, if one person comes to me with a story or an accusation, I will take the other person's side on purpose, in order to defend them, because they're not there to defend themselves. I try to look at the situation from their perspective, and I try to think of alternatives, things like that. Um, what this will... I, I've done this with Anissa a few times. when She's come to me, you know, a few things, and I always take the other person's side and and try doing this, and she's like, ah, oh, it's aggravating. We haven't talked since. I'm joking. <laughs> but uh, what this will look like to that person is they will think, well, you're just being rebellious, or you just hate me, or you're just always taking their side. It's like, no, I'm being cautious. I'm trying to be wise. I'm not going to believe every single thing that you tell me unless I truly, really trust you. But if I think that you can have an anterior motive, or if I think that you can be bending the story just a little bit, I'm going to ask you a bunch of questions to make sure that I get the full truth. Okay? You have to prove to me beyond any shadow of a doubt, like if we're in a courtroom, before I believe you. Otherwise, I might be believing gossip or slander. You could be giving me a half-truth. And if I go and I spread that story around, I'm now guilty. And I don't want to be guilty. I want to be innocent before the Lord. Um, so that's another example. Yeah. That's why she's so quiet. She's just like, I don't even... Why, why? Yeah, not even telling me anything. Joseph, there's earthquakes around our house. Prove it to me. <laughs> I was like, no. <laughs> um, so a little bit more on wisdom, um, what we were talking about, experience, knowledge, and wisdom. A little bit more on that. Um, and in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. One thing that I've noticed in my life that has affected me in the past is I lived in an echo chamber. I only liked a certain type of people with a certain mindset and a certain way of thinking and this was not good. So don't live in an echo chamber. Uh, even even and I'll, I'll try to gather my thoughts throughout this, but I've even heard a lot of pastor examples of this. They'll be like, you know I went, my car broke down, and I'm a pastor. I study the Word of God. I don't know anything about cars. Luckily, we have auto mechanics in our congregation. Amen to that. You have people in there who know about something that can help you because you don't have the knowledge or the information about it. They know. They have knowledge that you don't have. You have. Uh, so as far as worldly things, okay, that's good. But a congregation of people is going to uh, consist of people from different areas of expertise. You'll have carpenters, you'll have uh, mechanics, you'll have maintenance guys and people who build houses, all different kinds of things, okay? So that's good. But what about biblical questions and thoughts? Have you excluded everybody that doesn't think exactly like you? And I, I know that, you know, you want to get your doctrine right, okay? I get that. And you have your doctrine And I want people in my life that believe this. But sometimes people can get overly critical where the area starts growing bigger and bigger. And if you don't believe this, if you don't believe this, you don't believe this. And you start pushing all these people away. And before you know it, you only have a tiny little group of people around you that thinks and talks and acts exactly like you do. You know what the problem with that is? If this person is susceptible to getting lied to in a certain area of their life, Chances are, so will them and them and them and them and all these people in this tiny little group. But another person who might think outside the box a little bit, and you're like, oh, I don't like these people, though, but they might be able to help you with that. And that's this is just a reason not to be overly critical with people. Um, so yeah, don't push people away that could prevent you from believing a lie. Maybe you got, okay, maybe there's city slickers and there's country folk. And the city slickers are like, we don't like the country people, okay? They just, they stink and blah, 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 blah. And I don't like country people, okay? I only want city slickers because those country people, they're just, ah, I just can't stand them. And then you find yourself out in the country one day and you need help. And you're like, okay, I maybe I was overly critical. Guys, can y'all come help me a little bit? So the same way, the same thing works with believing lies. If If... Everybody has the same mentality and the same mindset. Man, I can lie to one person, and everyone else is going to believe the exact same thing. So it's just the way. I don't, I don't want us to get worldly or anything like that. I'm not trying to get us to believe in other doctrines, but just having a little bit of an open mind sometimes and not being overly critical might get you to understand, wow, I was believing this thing for all these years, and I meet Jesus on Judgment Day and he looks at me in the eye and says, Joseph, you know that you believed in a lie? And everybody in your life that could have helped you with that, you cast them out. And you wouldn't hear the other side. And now you're going to be judged for that. That would be scary. So, another way to prevent this from happening, and this is a way to actually shut things down. All the other things is like preventive. This is something you shut them down with, and it is to call them out. And this is in the Bible also. This is on that paper. And this is also, and it it's funny, this is also in Deuteronomy and 1 Timothy. On that paper, Deuteronomy 19, 16 through 20, says, so it's right there at the top. This So this is right after the other thing that we read about two or three bearing witness of something, not a single person. So the Lord continues here. If a false witness rise up against any man to testify against him that which is wrong, then both the men between whom the controversy is shall stand before the Lord. So we're going to have us a little court case. uh, Before the priest and the judges, which shall be in those days. And the judges shall make diligent inquisition. So they're going to have a court case. They're going to inquire. The judges shall make diligent inquisition and behold... If the witnesses be a false witness, if the witness be a false witness and hath testified falsely against his brother, then shall ye do unto him as he had thought to have done unto his brother. so shalt thou put away the evil from among it, uh, from among you and those so here's the point and those which remain shall hear and fear and shall henceforth commit, no more any such evil among you. So the purpose is you're going to do something to somebody to make people around you fear. You say, "Well, that's Old Testament Israel. Like we're not going to stone people to death or anything." Or, okay, but go to First Timothy, chapter five, verse twenty, or on, it's on that paper. It's right after what we just read. The other thing Paul say said First Timothy five nineteen. Against an elder receive not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And then in verse twenty he says, Them that sin rebuke before all, that others also may fear. So it's pretty interesting how how Paul you got Deuteron- you got Moses in Deuteronomy says let let every word, mouth the two or three witnesses be established. And if a false witness, if he's found to be a false witness, do something that's going to make other people fear. Then you have the New Testament and Paul goes like literally the same verses. Against an elder received not an accusation, but before two or three witnesses. And also, them that sin rebuke before all, that others may learn to fear. It's the same pattern. Old Testament, New Testament. So that's pretty neat uh, that Paul did that there. But, yeah, basically you call them out. You call them a liar. And you make other people realize, hey, this person is a gossiper and they're a liar, so that other people will know. Otherwise, you know, you're like, well, I just want to be nice. You're being nice in a way to them, but you're not being nice to the Lord and to all the other people that they're going to lie to. A lie needs to stop at you, not continue spreading around. So that's another thing that we can do. And a side note um, here, and I looked this up online, slander is actually illegal by the world standard. It is, it's called oral defamation. defamation. Ah, I almost said it wrong. Is that right? Defamation? Okay, there we go. Oral defamation. Uh, even though you cannot file a criminal complaint, you can file a lawsuit against somebody for slandering you. Uh, so we have a right to our opinion, But when our opinions are stated as facts and they hurt somebody's reputation, it's classified as slander. I believe that Bob is a corrupt CEO. Okay, you have a right to your belief. You have a right to your opinion. But if I say Bob is a corrupt CEO, you are now a liar and a slander. And you could be sued and they can actually file a lawsuit against you and you have to pay money for that. Uh, Sometimes this was punishable by death in the Roman times. You could be killed for slandering somebody. Other civilizations would sometimes uh, punish a slanderer by cutting out their tongue so that you can't continue spreading false information. In our culture, you can sue them, and they'll be punished financially. And the sad part is, within the Christian church, in some pulpits, it's celebrated with an amen. You can slander from the pulpit... And spread a lie. And people will, amen, amen, because they they just have no knowledge. Some some people, okay? Um, So I thought of this analogy in closing. Imagine your hand is on the Bible. Right there, when you go to a courtroom, you put your hand on the Bible, you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God. Okay? So like Tommy said last week, people can lie by omission. They can leave something out. Are you going to tell the whole truth? You're not leaving anything out whenever you say something. okay? Or nothing but the truth. So you're not adding lies or bending things to, to lead the story in a certain way. So you're telling the whole truth and nothing but the truth. And you have to swear that in a courtroom. But Jesus said in the Gospels, they, and, and James says it, and it's a New Testament doctrine, you're not supposed to lie at all. Like you're always supposed to be telling the truth. Every word that comes out of our mouth should be as if it were an oath. Um, so yeah, and it's interesting. We can turn to Revelation 22. It's very interesting here when you stop and think about this. Revelation 22, verses 18 through 19. It's at the very end of your Bible. So it'll be easy to find for everybody. It's the last book of the Bible. John says here in verse 18, For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book, if any man shall add unto these things, God shall add unto him the plagues that are written in this book. Okay? You are supposed to tell the truth. And the whole truth and nothing but the truth. Okay? Nothing but the truth. Don't add to the, to the truth. Just like you're not supposed to add to the words of the Bible. Okay? So that's a similar correlation. It's pretty neat. And then moving on, he says, And if any man shall take away from the words of this book, from the words of the book of this prophecy, God shall take away as part of the book of life and out of the holy city, and from the things that are written in this book. So you're not supposed to take away from God's Word. Just like in that oath, when you put your hand on that Bible, you're supposed to tell the whole truth. I'm not supposed to leave anything out. I'm not supposed to add anything to the testimony. And the funny thing is, is I've almost never had anybody ever do this to me in my entire life, who's ever come to me with an accusation, they, they were angry, upset a little bit, and they came to me with an accusation against somebody. I've never heard anybody tell me the whole truth as far as I can remember. They've always left a little bit out or bent it a little bit or added a little bit, and when I talk to them, talk to that person, I get the other side of the story. I'm thinking to myself, why couldn't you, when you came to me, tell me their side of the story first? Why couldn't you purposely condemn yourself and judge yourself so that you wouldn't be judged later on? Why can't you just, like, first tell me the story from their perspective and defend them and then tell me what your actual accusation is? But they don't do this. I always find more information out. And it's like, you know, the old saying, there's your side and there's their side and then there's the truth. Because people don't ever you know, a lot of times people don't care about telling the whole truth. And so real quick, on that paper, I'll just read them real fast. It's the it's the three verses at the bottom of the paper that y'all should have. First Thessalonians 5.2, 5, 5, it should be 5.21, sorry. First Thessalonians 5.21, Paul tells you to prove all things and hold fast that which is good. You are supposed to prove the things before you believe them and you're supposed to test them. In first, first John 4.1, he says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirits, whether they are of God. Because many false prophets are gone out into the world. You're supposed to try the spirits. You're supposed to try things and test things and, and do your research. Revelation 2.2, 2, I, uh, Paul, uh, John said to the church of, Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and has found them liars. They tried and they tested these people and they found that they were liars. Okay. So if I ever hear something, and their person is overly critical or it's a book and it has constant rhetoric or if the person is a gossiper, they're a known gossiper, something throws up a red flag to me. I put it in the bank, but I'm not going to let it leave my mouth and continue letting false information spread around. Okay? And the last verse in closing, it's right there at the bottom of the page, Matthew 12, 36. It's a really good verse. Jesus said, But I say unto you that every idle word that men shall speak, they shall give account thereof in the day of judgment. Not only lies, not only gossip, not only false accusations, but just an idle word you're going to be judged by. So how much more are we going to be judged by anything that we say that is not the whole truth and nothing but the truth, and we put our little spin or twist on it. So this is motivation to speak the truth. Well, that's the end. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for allowing us to read your word. Thank you for teaching us wisdom through your word, Lord. Thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for him dying on the cross for our sins, but also for him living such a just and righteous life and setting a pattern for us to live by. Please, Lord, please conform us to his image and help us be more like him so we can help others and love others better. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.